is lead and believe. I believe, Benny. Now can you help me lead? Oh, boy, Brad. Here we go again. Absolutely. This is a podcast for leaders who want to build a world-class culture. I'm Brad Gustafson. And I'm Ben Gilpin. Brad Gustafson, we are back at it. Lead and believe. Uh, hey, what's new? What's been on your plate this week? We're leading, Benny. We're believing. I filled out a survey today and don't cringe. Like it was actually a really good, helpful survey. It was only two questions. One of them asked something about like what's been a positive or successful moment that you've had recently. And I actually paused and thought about that. And here's a really cool thing. In the last three weeks, we've had the chance to work on some tough leadership stuff. And I guess it doesn't exactly matter what what it is. (laughs) You can fill in the blanks with what you think it is. But it's really cool to think that a few weeks ago, some of the work that was the most challenging, maybe even dreaded, has transformed into like highlights of my day. So the same challenges are happening, I kid you not. But just by looking at it differently and reframing that that thing is not an interruption of my work, that is the new work and priority. It is literally life inducing. And I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to be cryptic here. That's just I gave you my good data private answer, but that's the honest truth. How are you, my friend? Did any of that make sense, first of all? <laughs> well, you, you had me. You had me at two-question survey. Right. Those are the best kind, Ben. They don't happen very often, do they? Absolutely. But you know what? Um, without really, we really should get into our main topic today because it is on leadership and it is going to be on having some of those those leadership moments, those those deeper conversations. And so really, without any further ado, we have author, trainer, coach extraordinaire with us. We have Lori Sudbrink with us. And Lori is the author of a leadership book, and it is titled Leading with Grit. So welcome, Lori. Well, thank you so much for having me. When I saw your uh, podcast and your whole topic, Lead and Believe, I was just, I was like, yeah, this fits so perfectly. (laughs) And the funny thing is I saw your book and I did a a double take. I had questions. I had, it, it was really a really interesting response because sometimes the grit conversation, it's just a really interesting, deeper conversation, but I feel like you have a different take on it for leaders. Would you mind just kind of sharing, give us a flyby of what it, what you mean by that? Well, I, so before Lori jumps in, you know, a lot of people, when they hear the word grit, immediately perseverance, resilience, you know, do you have that kind of that dig deep mentality? And I know that's where Brad was going, but I think your yes. definition of grit takes it to a whole different level. And Ben, that's yeah. what I'm getting at. Even now you're triggering the story I just shared initially. Sometimes like when we tell people, well, just work harder, just persevere and work harder. It. Like, what does that mean? And it doesn't always feel good and it's not always successful. But I don't think your book is just saying that if I'm understanding it right. So, yeah, you guys have nailed it because (laughs) that's what we do. That's what we do here, Lori. That's what we do here. (laughs) I don't want to diminish grit, you know, the traditional meaning of grit by any means, because it's so important. A lot of people do need to 
learn and, um, you know, practice being more gritty, that passion, that perseverance, don't give up, stay focused, those types of things. But what I found in my own life, as well as with many, many executives that I've coached and worked with in classes, is that we get almost too gritty. It's the grit causes collateral damage. It causes, you know, burnout. It causes ruined relationships. It causes, well, I've worked with many C-suite and executives that feel empty when they get to where they thought they were going. And so this grit that we're talking about, generosity, respect, integrity, and truth, which all four of those are characteristics that, you know, most of us agree, those are good characteristics. We need to have those characteristics. But what I've done is I've combined them into this acronym so that it, it kind of paves the way for leadership and success. And even as cliche as it sounds, happiness. I use happiness as kind of a litmus test. You know, is it working for you or not? Are you happy? Or one of my favorite quotes, are you happy or stupid? And that's by Don Miguel Ruiz. And it's just, you know, it's like be happy or be stupid. But um, the generosity, respect, integrity, and truth, that roadmap, we start with truth because it ends up naturally with generosity and then a grit that's sustainable instead of a grit that causes collateral damage and burnout and and the things that we just talked about. So that's the way, that's how it's different. Grit alone can cause that collateral damage and we can be too gritty. So if we have grit through generosity, respect, integrity, and truth, that's going to have sustainable results. So Lori, it's a year coach. And you help others with this. You help other leaders, whether they're uh, in whatever field they're in. How do you start? How do you go about coaching and helping someone? Because I do think there's a there's a very traditional method of, and I know I fall into this, that perseverance and resilience and the hard work. And I know there have been times I guarantee I have felt that burnout. So yeah. if you're going to work with me, how are you going to coach me? Well, Meeting people where they are is important, and every single person is on a different path, and they're a different part of their journey, and so it's so important to find out what's going on inside, find out what they're feeling, find out what's what's happening with you, with that person, and what's keeping you up at night, you know, what's going on with you so that you can then help get you to that next level. And it starts inside, so looking at truth, we invert the GRIT acronym and start inside and look at truth. And so what's your passion? What's your priorities? What's most important to you? What are your strengths? What are your limitations? I use some tools like the DISC profile, 360 leadership assessments, things like that in the workplace to help people to hone in on those areas that are that are important for them. But even deeper from a personal standpoint, identifying and ranking what are the priorities and values that you carry so that you can make sure that you live to those, so that you can make sure that you get the job in the right, you know, pick the right culture, make sure that you pick the right relationships that match that. And that's where it flows into integrity. Um, and so I use this model to actually go through coaching, go through training with people. We start inside with truth. 
And then we move to integrity. And if you like, we can move through the model in that way, unless you have some other questions. Yeah, I have a question. I was wondering why Ben didn't ask me how I would coach him, first of all, because I have a different answer in coaching Benny. (laughs) But I'm curious, what if you're working with people? Because I would assume most leaders work with other leaders. What if the leaders you're working with, and this is not a personal reflection or connection, I'm not subtweeting as they say, but literally, what if you're working someone who's not living and leading grittily? Like maybe you're just noticing, geez, I'm, their lack of generosity, their lack of respect, their lack of integrity, their lack of truth is adversely impacting me. Just curious about your take on that. Because it seems largely out of our control how other leaders show up. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. You know, we can only control so many things. We don't have control over the way somebody else shows up. We can only control how we react to that person showing up. Right. And so if we with the with the grit model, if you know your truth and you stay true to yourself, that's going to go a long way when it comes to dealing with difficult people in in difficult situations, because you're not going to let someone trigger you. You're going to stay Uh, grounded in that truth, you're not going to take things as personally, for example, because you're going to have that level of confidence and humility. And that flows through to integrity and respect. So it's very important that we understand ourselves and our trigger points and understand that what we can control and what we can't control. In my book, in chapter six, I talk about the five steps of change. And it's critical that we go, that we we look at our situation as what can I change? What can I change? And the things that I can change, let's focus on that. So I can change the way I react to a person. I can be more curious instead of getting defensive. I won't make assumptions that because you rolled your eyes at me or folded your arms in the meeting, you know, I'm not going to make an assumption that, oh, Brad's pissed right now. You know, I'm going to say, huh, I wonder what's wrong with Brad, you know, or I wonder what's going on with Brad. I'm going to wonder instead of assume. Sorry, I had a, I had an eyelash <laughs> in my eye. That was why I was rolling my eyes. No, just kidding. Hey, you, you mentioned the, the five steps, Lori. One of the smallest, like what is a step that is so close that we could all maybe think about taking right now that might make a, I don't know, significant difference for us? like a baby step that we could all try out tomorrow. Yeah, well, it's 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 being self-aware and present. You know, uh-huh. just kind of, I like to have fun and say stalking myself. So pay attention to your emotions uh-huh. and track it back to what thought you had that's causing that. So, you know, we're, we're driven by our thoughts and beliefs. Our actions are always a result of our thoughts and beliefs. And that emotion that we're feeling comes from something that's going on inside. So that's something all of us can do. We can do it at any time. All we have to do is say, decide, okay, I feel mad right now, or I feel, you know, frustrated right now. It's, it's emotional intelligence, right? It's paying attention to that emotion, but then saying to, to yourself, what's driving that emotion? Oh, I'm impatient. Oh, I want this to move faster. Oh, I'm thinking that I don't have enough time. We can go to that thought and we can shift it and we because we can control our thoughts if we just are self-aware of those. OK, take that. Go a little deeper on that, because that I think what you said might resonate with some people. It did with me. I don't feel I have enough time sometimes. And sometimes I get stressed out with what's urgently in front of me right now. And I'm self-aware. Like I have what you just said, the self-awareness. But then what do I do with that notion? I think I heard you say reframe it. I might maybe I made that up. I don't know. 
Well, reframe is the terminology. You okay. you would definitely reframe it. So we we've grown up. We've learned all of these beliefs, these thoughts throughout our lives, right? And this is going to date me a bit because I always say the tape recorder, but it's the tape recorder that's going on in your head, right? And we have to get rid of that old tape recorder, get in there, and figure out what thoughts and beliefs are not working well for you and reframe them and make sure that we're looking at it more objectively, more positively. So for example, I don't have enough time. All right. I'm, I'm saying that, well, we all have the same amount of hours in a day. How can that be true? <laughs> you know, like I don't have enough time. Maybe it's reframing it to say, well, you know, I have enough time to do the most important things in the day today. And so with the grit model, you would identify what's most important to you in the truth part of it. And in the integrity part of it, you would live to that. You would align your actions to what's most important. So it really is getting in there inside and reframing those thoughts. And sometimes it's as simple as just getting them out there, get them on paper and write them in a, in a more positive, optimistic way. It might sound almost like you're lying to yourself at first, but it all, all we are is positively brainwashing ourselves because we have negatively brainwashed ourselves for years and years and years. And we've got to change that story. We've got to change that record. Yeah. So Lori, if I kind of go down a rabbit hole, I completely agree with you with the, with the self-awareness side note, you know, I, I talk to a therapist on a regular basis and self-awareness is a huge deal for me, but I would also add to this that for me personally, I oftentimes think of it as my shield. And in leadership, when my shield is is strong, then I feel like I have the truth and I feel like I have the integrity piece and I feel like I can I can really be the best form of myself. But there are things that happen during the day, during the week, during the month that make my shield feel weak. And when I when I get weak like that, it's difficult for me to process because I am trying to be self-aware. But I think what happens is we all get stressed mm-hmm. and those stressors and anxiety piece weakens us. How, how would you guide a leader that is feeling anxious and stressed because it happens to all of them? Yeah. Thanks for asking that, Ben. And not only does it happen to all of us, I think it's happened. It's really been heightened recently, right? In the last two, three years, it's just been really heightened. There's so many issues that a leader is faced with. Talk about the all the personal issues as well as shortage of employees, all kinds of things. You know, there's just so many things that we're dealing with. So we, we do have to go to this basic level of stress management. And it's a matter of going, okay, there's what can I control? What can I control? First of all, I can control how I'm feeling right now, for example, maybe it's just taking three parasympathetic breaths. Do you know what parasympathetic breaths are? They're when you take a nice, slow, deep breath in, as far as you can inhale, you hold as much oxygen in your lungs as you can, and you hold your breath for about four seconds, and then you slowly release, and you release all the air out, and you hold it for four seconds, and you do that for you do that three times, that will calm you down, get oxygen to your brain and have you thinking more clearly instead of reacting and feeling anxious. What is anxiety? It's worrying about the future. It's making assumptions about something that's not even happened yet, right? And so it's like, we've got, we've got to figure out a way in those moments when we start to feel that, 
What can we do to physiologically calm ourselves? Because otherwise what we end up doing is trying to get out of it, trying to get out of it, and we get into it even deeper and and worse. I mean, I had an anxiety attack for the first time in my life driving to a new uh, prospect's office. And, and this was after I had a terrible tragedy in my family. I lost my youngest brother to suicide. It was just so tragic. And you don't realize what you go through. I think it's that PTSD. Like you really just, you go through anxiety and stuff. And I remember pulling over on the side of the road and I knew I was going through this. I had never gone through it before, but I knew, you know, I just, I had this, I knew that I was going through anxiety and I couldn't think my way out of it. And that is what saved me. I sat there and I did that. I bet you I did it like 12 times. I just breathed in and out and, and it eventually cleared me. I figured out where I was and I went on. Um, so it's finding things like that. Now, I am not a doctor or a therapist. And so you really do want to you know, talk to people that are even more qualified to deal with things like anxiety. Uh, but there's some techniques like this that are simple for any of us. So another technique that I share with my coaching clients is to just take one full minute and look at nature. If you don't have something real outside your window, then get something on your screen. Do whatever it takes to just get yourself in that mode for one minute. Look at the shape of the leaves. Look at the different color greens. Look at the light shining in. It sounds almost like hokey pokey, but it is amazing how it calms you. Nature, in my opinion, is one of those things that will calm us if we allow it to. Lori, that's my experience too. And maybe 10 years ago, I, I might have thought that sounded especially corny, but it is resonating. <laughs> and I'm just finding myself needing tools that work and Nature is one of them, even if it's just enjoying the sun for a minute or whatever, mm-hmm. looking at a leaf. I'm 100% with you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, you know, and so, Brad, you know, Lori made a point, though, about oftentimes those stressful, anxious moments, we get ahead of ourselves. You know, we project on things we can't control, things in the future that are, and things start just to move fast. And so, as I'm kind of paraphrasing a lot of things that she's saying, slowing down, and finding some of those things that can just calm yourself, whether that's the, the deep breathing exercises, whether it's looking at nature, you know, sometimes people will say like a full glass of water. You know, there's a lot of different things, I think, slowing things down in those anxious moments and trying to stay more in the moment rather than getting ahead of ourselves. And I think that getting ahead is where the stressors really come in. I wonder if some people listening might be thinking, though, even internally, and I'm maybe embarrassed to admit, I don't know, like, what if I can't slow it down? What if the onslaught of whether it's customers or the pace of things that feel out of my control or the demands, the deadlines, what if I can't? It sounds so easy to hear, slow it down. It sounds so maybe even a little trivial to say, drink water, look at leaves. So what if people are thinking that right now? <laughs> and yeah, I'm sure they are. You know, there's a couple things here. One is that's why we've got to ask questions as a coach. Find out what the person's situation is. Find out where they've been, what, they're, what they've done, what they've tried, what works, what doesn't work, what kind of personality that they have, because there's not one size fits all. We do have to find something that fits for us. The other part is if you're truly don't have 30 seconds to take three breaths, then uh-huh. instead of coaching you, I'm going to tell you, you need to make a change. You know? yes, like, sure. This is so it's finding those things that 
that you can do throughout the day that, yeah, mm-hmm. you are a busy executive. You don't have the time to go. Like what I was going to say before is I go out, I try, I don't do it every day, but for 15 minutes and I put my bare feet on the earth to get mm. grounded because it really works. And I didn't learn this until my dad was dying of cancer and I researched what are the things that we can do to heal our body. And that was one of the things that I just happened to try. And it was like, wow, I feel a difference. I must mm-hmm. feel the energy from electronics and stuff a lot. And I'm on the computer a lot. That just, that it just clears it and it takes it away. A lot of people aren't going to be able to do that. I'm not going to tell an executive in New York City to go to Central Park and take his shoes off and ground for 15 minutes, right? I'm not going to do that. But my clients over in New Zealand, they're walking around barefoot all the time. They're already grounding. (laughs) So it just depends on the person and what's going to work for them. So there's there's an abundance of things that we can try. And that's that's another really important thing. It's it's going back to the name of your podcast, Believing. Do you Mm. believe there is something that you can do? Yes. Do you believe that you can make a difference? Even if it's in yourself, little by little. Right. Yes. Yes. I feel like, Ben, it might be a good time to put you in the hot seat, my friend. We end every show where uh, we're sharing something we believe or something we're going to do in our leadership. So what's it going to be? So leader believe. So, you know, you just kind of hinted at it right there, Brad. For our audience, if I were to pick lead, what does that mean? Yeah, I would say something that almost that I could watch you do, like on a TV, you're naming an an action, like a commitment, call to action. I am going to go and do this. <laughs> like if there was a video right. camera on me, that would be what the lead is. And the believe would be a, a camera couldn't pick that up. It's something in your heart and in your mind and in your soul. That's, the, that's how I would differentiate the two. Okay, so now you're putting me on the spot. Lead or believe. Mm-hmm. Goodness, there's a lot in here. Lori has, has been a wealth of knowledge. I think I'm going to go with believe. And Lori, I'm, I'm really grabbing this right from her. She had talked a little bit about the steps of change. And the part that I want to go back to with the believe is, is simply this. What can we control and what can we change? And those are some things that, that comes back to that self-awareness piece. And that has to be a belief in your mind. What can I control? What can I change? And as leaders, we have to be almost always looking at what can I change to be the best leader I can be? Well said, well said. And oftentimes that's internal work, which is really sometimes counterintuitive, especially if we're like, well, I'd rather change that person or that. I'd rather change the whole culture, but actually a lot of it starts internally. Okay, sorry. I was riffing off your belief, buddy. For my lead, I think what I want people to see me do, if like, if they were watching me in the moments because I have them, I have them too, is that the breath thing. And I have had success with that, but I don't always think of it in, in the moment all the time. A lot of times I do, but not all the time. So for my lead, it would be, you know, Ben, when my shield to use your terminology kind of weakens or diminishes for whatever reason over the course of a day or, or month. And then with Lori, it's having that self-awareness and reframing it and then going like into the breaths. I think when I'm, when my shield is high, I think of those leadership behaviors and I do them. It's actually pretty easy to do when your shield is high. It's when you're a little bit more stressed or depleted that sometimes you forget the tools that you have. So that is actually what I am going to be more mindful about living out and, and leading. 
Lori, any belief? Ben, you asked this question way better than I do. Go ahead, buddy. So leader believe. So you get the last word, Lori. Where, where are you going with this? And any any last thoughts? Well, I just love the word believe because I, you know, believe in yourself first and foremost. Believe in yourself. Invest in yourself. Put put energy into yourself so that you know your cup can runneth over and you can give to other people. It's so important for us to to really build that confidence uh, in ourselves so that we can give to other people. And that's really what leading with grit is all about in order to serve other people, in order to give to other people and really sustain that grit. We've got to start inside and believe in ourselves. Very well said. Thank you, Lori. As you listen to this, uh, to this show, a few things, a few um, tools for your toolbox. Number one, you got to check out the book. The book is leading with grit Lori Sudbrink is the author. Also, check out Lori's website. It is lorisudbrink.com. There are tons of tools on this website. There's services, products, resources. She can connect with you. She's a coach. She's a teacher. She's a trainer. She does all the things. So definitely check out lorisudbrink.com. We appreciate you coming on. This has been great, and we're hoping that this will help leaders be the best version of themselves. Thanks again, Lori. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Brad. It was great. Creating a world-class culture requires intention and optimism. And sometimes it's the small steps a leader takes that matter the most. We hope today's conversation helps you move hearts and mountains as you lead and believe. believe.